Welcome to Brain Cage, where we discuss BDSM, hypnosis, and the mind for all those exploring their fetishes and interests. This is Puppet Master, your mentor for the podcast. And this is Dracosa, your hypnotic guide. So today we're looking at hypnosis used in BDSM. Quite a sexy topic. <laughs> and I think the first thing we're going to look at is imposition what that is and how to use it. Now, imposition is part of your natural empathy. It is when someone describes something to you and you feel it, even though there isn't a physical, sensual input. You can still feel it because your mind is emulating that. and. That's really useful in hypnosis because you're acting a lot of the time using a person's imposition to make them feel certain things. Hypnosis goes a bit further in that you get real hypnotic hallucinations, real being in air quotes there, but hypnosis is magic (laughs) and so it might as well be real because you're not actually experiencing anything around you. It's all an interpretation of the mind anyway. So when you experience hypnotic hallucination, it might as well be real. That's very true. Imposition, in a sense, it's the idea of imposing an effect, a thought, a feeling. In many ways, especially when it comes down to BDSM, it is the feeling of dominance. And some people don't like to use the word impose, but it is somewhat imposing an influence or a presence on someone, and hypnosis can allow you to shape certain experiences by describing what they should be feeling, what that imposition should be doing, in a sense, from everything as simple as a physical touch to something as complex as a statement or a word or phrase causing a chain of effects that may be caused throughout the body so that you can impose this outcome of feeling or, in a sense, enhancing an overall experience. It's kind of like how if you have your eyes closed and you try to walk down the hallway and it's an unfamiliar hallway, your mind will start to impose possible sensations of, I may walk into something. And so your body begins to prepare itself to do that. And it creates almost a hallucinatory preparation stage where you are going to walk into something, but there's nothing there. And so using hypnosis, you can actually create these experiences, even while you are fully awake and aware and somewhat impose this experience to enhance. And that's some of the main areas we'll be covering, or some of the main things that we're going to talk about. An example that most people will have experienced is if you're distracted while walking up or downstairs, and then there's that phantom step that doesn't actually exist, that you take expecting it to be there, and then you have to quickly adjust because it's not there. Oh god, if I think, you get part of your foot on it, it slips. Ugh. And um, I think Germans actually have a word for that. They have a word for a lot of things. Schadenfreude? Oh, no, that's if someone's watching that happen. Never mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's quite common. But 
for our listeners, if you would just picture this feeling of me running my fingers down your spine, and if you can feel that, that's in position. Yeah, I think probably a good one that people have felt often is when you're out late at night or if you're in an unfamiliar area and you get that feeling of unsurety, that feeling of sort of the chill down your spine, that is the brain giving itself this feeling of there may be something going on nearby, but I'm unsure. And so it's creating sensations to respond to the situation, showing your, not insecurity, but perhaps your discomfort in the area. And it's a, pretty much it's not an actual response to a specific stimuli aside from your own brain trying to assess the situation around you and give you this higher level of alert to respond. But it's also the part of you that when you're talking to someone and they're describing things that have happened to them or how they're doing, and if you feel that, then that's in position too. With empathy, imposition, they're kind of intermingled in a lot of ways. But imposition, as Jocoso said, is broader too. Mm-hmm, as well. One of the one of my subs has a fun trigger called imposition anything. And if they're listening, release. Um, which will make it so that anything that they are viewing, if it's something that they want to feel and experience themselves, they will. Which is a lot of fun. Uh, We've watched some naughty things together. Or I've had it while they've read stuff. Or I've been doing things to other people. And using hypnosis, I've just enhanced that so that their mind is ready to take on any aspect of anything that they want to feel. Otherwise, it would be a bit dangerous. Yeah, that's that's one of the ways I've used it. Mm -hmm. What about you, Jokoso? Well, for use, I know I have, well, I have my main partner who I explore with, and we use imposition all the time. My main thing is I love reactions. I love to see how people react to ideas, descriptions, pieces. I mean, before I got into hypnosis, I was a very big role player. I love to describe in as much detail different role play interactions and see how people responded to them. And it would give me this understanding of how a person's mind may respond to different activities so you can get the outcomes and the reactions you wanted. So with my current partner, I love describing things in all different ways. And because of the fact that I'm an empath, I love to feel how her emotions respond. And it lets me explore her mentally in the idea of if I touch here and here, what will happen? So imposition I've used with her for things like just for anyone who already has high imposition, just to let you know this is going to be a good bit of describing, is the idea of stroking under the back of the ears and then down the tailbone. And that can cause a nerve system response throughout the body. Things like stroking down both sides of the spine, down along your hips and up the sides, all different parts of the body that can cause reactions. And so I love to use imposition to explore with my partners to see how they respond and find different reactions, partially because it can be very fun and sexy to do so, just describing things and hearing someone respond very positively with pleasure, or just finding ways you can take care of your partner. I'm a bit of a caretaker myself, and so finding ways like covering someone's eyes can actually calm them down because it reduces the stimuli coming in. 
I learned that through one of my earlier pets when I was exploring and found that when you covered their eyes, they would actually have less going on and so it would calm down a lot of their body. So imposition can be used both for arousing or stimulating or getting someone feeling more, or it can also be used to calm a person down and to take care of them, to help them stay comfortable while staying within a scene or within a situation that they're dealing with. And it's always fun to just see how to explore with it, especially because of the fact that I guess the more that you can understand how a person feels, you can even increase imposition in yourself, since we all experience something in psychology known as phantom limb syndrome. It was seen in people who had lost limbs due to certain situations they were in, but even afterwards, when they saw someone else experiencing something, such as if their arm was being touched or stroked on an area that they no longer had, they would their brain would still create that sensation for them. They would still feel it. And so I think what you were describing earlier, Puppet, the idea that just by watching something, you can feel it as well, may also rely on that mentality of being able to see someone else experiencing something and then it being mimicked and or modeled on their own body because they're responding and understand that feeling. So imposition can be connected, not just through describing, but watching based upon this idea, if you're curious to go and look for more on how phantom limb syndrome works. I think imposition's used a lot with people that use sex phone lines as well. Mm. Because things that are described, things that are being described, being done to them, without imposition, it would be fairly ineffectual. Unless hearing about that stuff is what's king. I think it's used everywhere without people really realizing it, which I find interesting. True. I mean, if you were to think about it, masturbation would then be an area that you could question since people do fantasize and imagine doing activities. Some people just enjoy it due to the idea of something becoming true. Other people imagine being in that situation and what they're doing, mimicking what's happening and them experiencing it fully and openly. And... So you could say imposition, the idea that it is imposing an idea or an experience upon yourself or on someone else, is something that we may be familiar with, especially since some people like to daydream or fantasize about success or places they would be, such as imagining yourself on a warm beach, you know, sitting out and enjoying vacation. And some people, their minds can actually impose the experience and they can almost feel themselves there. The sun on your skin. Mm-hmm. Or as one of my exes loved to say, the feeling of pulling a drink off of a Cabana Boys uh, plate. <laughs> she, was, she was really big in wanting those Cabana Boys. But anyways. And so I think when it comes down to imposition, one of the main things to understand between hypnosis and BDSM is that while people feel it quite often, hypnosis gives you more of a direct interaction with it. It allows the person's mind to connect more fully just to the words. I feel almost every word has an underlying piece of imposition, like hot and cold. When you say that, anyone's mind can pull up a reference saying, this is what hot would feel like, this is what cold would feel like. And I feel like using hypnosis, you can enhance that to the point where someone could feel hot or could feel cold. And... 
in the general idea of hypnosis, I can imagine some people's interest in that is the idea that you can say a word or a command, such as the, I believe this is a trope, the idea of telling someone that they're getting so hot and feeling hot they need to take their clothes off. And that's an idea of control where you can make someone do that based upon controlling what they feel. And imposition can be used, especially in regards to BDSM, with different experiences of not just heat and cold, but feelings of fear to create a greater sense of arousal, or even a greater sense of a loss of control. Because some people just love to feel like they have no control. For example, I knew someone who used to love being blindfolded and led around by a leash and putting their entire trust in this other person where they had no real control. And they mimicked this through hypnosis by having it that when they snapped their fingers, the person could only see spirals in their eyes and their arms pretty much were weighed down as if they were attached to cinder blocks and all they could do was walk behind the person's voice. They had to practice a few times, of course, because of the fact that uh, a leash is much better to lead with for a direct control and less injuries. But that that's a different story. Yeah, I think all of mine are into kind of losing control. It's a very submissive thing to want to feel uh, for most people. Uh, to the extent that some people have abandonment fantasies or being kidnapped mm. things like that right i think that actually leads on to negotiation another topic we wanted to discuss true the idea that especially because of the fact that you can experience things differently but also you can expect things differently the idea of negotiating is when you're in bdsm it is a very common topic at least i hope for everyone who's listening it's a common topic but Negotiation looks very much at the idea of understanding what each side is expecting, what each side wants to have happen, and really coming to an agreement as to what can and cannot happen. And imposition really comes down to imposing effects and outcomes where you want to make sure that you've agreed upon this is what I would like to have happen, it is okay if this happens, and this is something I wouldn't want to have happen. Such as for imposition, I know one outline they have is, or one app, sorry, I should say, not just a general they. An outline that I have gone by in the past is the idea of where is it good to touch, and where is it good to kiss, lick, so on. And negotiating, you can say it's okay to touch me on my chest and between my legs, it's okay to touch my thighs and my stomach do not touch my knees it's due to the fact that they were very ticklish as well as for kissing and licking i've known some people that love to be kissed all over the body i've known some people that like to be licked all over the body but one thing that's interesting with hypnosis and imposition is if someone hasn't explored something you can practice with giving kisses, let's say if they're comfortable with being kissed on the chest but they haven't done so on the thighs and they're not sure they'll like it for multiple reasons, you can give them kisses so their body can feel and get used to this, and you can possibly negotiate and say, would it be okay if I used imposition to have you experience what it would be like if I was kissing you on the thighs, something you haven't done yet? And it creates this, I guess you could say a middle ground for some people, who have not done things or may not be sure they're comfortable with it. And it lets you create 
an outline, especially because with negotiating, you want to make sure that the person you're working with is comfortable. So this creates more options, more choices you can do, and it allows you to experience different things that you may not normally be able to. So I could talk about negotiation for a few hours. <laughs> We're not going to because... Um, it's another topic it's for a, the future. Well, it's a very specific thing to opt into. I do want to say that negotiation is ideally done when everyone is sober, where the idea of the dynamic has been equalized to some extent. Maybe the dominant one it has to kind of mediate the situation so that the submissive is being able to talk about their things without any feeling that they may be letting the dominant down. And a big part of negotiation is consent. Enthusiastic, continuous, and how you ensure that the consent is continuous. Which is a bit interesting when it comes to hypnosis. Because some people, particularly when they're under, they go into how they are more naturally. And so if someone is someone that very much likes to please, then knowing what the limits are before you take them under will ensure that you don't cross any lines while they're in a state where they ever so much want to please the hypnotist. And then afterwards realise that it was actually a bad experience for them when it all gets rationalised with their conscious mind. How do you go about negotiating hypnotic scenes with your partners or people in general to Crozo? I'd say for a lot of the negotiation would be if we're going into new areas or if we're exploring new things or if the person is relatively new to working with either myself or with hypnosis. And how I would usually negotiate a scene would be first sitting down and talking about what is the main purpose, such as why do they want to do this? I know for me, the main reason I do it is because I want to explore with someone. I want to learn and I want to experience with them and share an experience that they can enjoy and really learn and grow from. That's one of my main aspects, other than, of course, you know, it being very arousing and very sexual at some times. And I'd say for negotiation, the biggest thing, especially when it comes down to when you understand why they want to experience it, you can sit down and spend hours talking with them about what you need, what they need, and how to work with it. I'd say the main thing to understand is, like I said, where they're coming from as a base. Once you know why they're doing what they're doing, knowing what their experience is. If they have never done, let's say if they've never done rope play before, but they're interested, it's good to start and understand that it may be a step-by-step -step exploration process. There should be more check-ins and negotiation is really a way for you to not only gauge where they want to be, but to gauge how much you will have to do and understand. If you are a brand new dominant, I think we said this in the last podcast is if you're new to a scene, it's better to have an experienced partner 
so that they will have more of an understanding. They've gone through some of the ups and downs and some of the successes and failures that come with it. And so negotiating and discussing, okay, how much experience do you have with this and how much should we check in? How far do you feel comfortable going? And I think as you were mentioning a moment ago, Puppet, the idea that some people really do end up diving in and not understanding or not being able to adjust in a way because the person who is being bound, hypnotized, whatever your interest may be, may not be able to communicate when there are issues during the scene or that they may not be aware of these discomforts. Negotiation should always allow for an open communication at all times during it unless your kink goes otherwise, such as if you are interested in being bound and gagged and blindfolded, there always needs to be some form of communication during it. Of course, I always go back to communication, but that's just me. For negotiation, it's creating an understanding. And I guess for me, the main way, I think I'm getting a little off tangent. For me, how I do negotiation with my partner is discussing what are the main events that'll happen during the scene? What are the main pieces that they would want to have happen? How much do they want to stick to that? And how open are they to improvisation? Things being added or pieces. And understanding hard limits and soft limits are some of the two aspects that a lot of people I've had to talk with about. Hard limits being things that you never do and may have a personal reason behind it. And soft limits are things that may have specific expectations or outlines that need to be met in order to be comfortable with it and then things that are kinks things that are likes and things that are interests and understanding how you can apply them i'd say my main steps other than learning all of that are if someone's just interested in trying a scene a negotiation can be very simple and quick at other times, it can be very in-depth if it's supposed to be a very personal thing. So I think negotiating and understanding how much weight the person is also putting into the scene may affect just how much and how much depth there needs to be for the negotiation. So I've had negotiations that have lasted five minutes with people that I have been playing with a lot in the past and know well. And I've had negotiations that have lasted days. Not constantly, but, you know, have been over time working things out mm -hmm. with a potential play partner. One of the most important things I think everyone forgets but needs to remember with negotiation is that if you come away from it thinking, okay, we couldn't come to a, an agreed way that we want to play with each other, so we're not going to play. That is a successful negotiation, and it's impressive to hear when people come out of that like that, because it means they've considered things well, and yeah, it's a really good thing. And with some of my partners that I've been with a long time, they've given me blank checks to do it, like, what with them? But I always have to think about their limits and stuff, and these are long-term partners of mine. And at the same time, I've had potential people that wanted to play with me come up to me and say, I've got no limits, 
To which I've turned around and said, then I don't want to play with you because you don't know yourself well enough for this to be safe. Now, if they came to me saying, I'm not sure what my limits are, I'd like to discuss and explore, that would be a different thing altogether. But yeah, (laughs) no limits is a big red flag for me and Mm -hmm. a lot of doms, I think. Oh, yeah. Negotiation isn't just a tool for working out what you do and don't want to do. Negotiation's actually good for knocking down potential barriers and making the suggestion work better. Because when you're discussing what you're going to do, uh, especially if you're using similar language that you plan on using during their trance to give them suggestions for an experience trigger. What this does is it gets the conscious mind to already agree to what you're suggesting, so that when you suggest it during the trance, the conscious can let it just pass through because it has already considered it, which will make your suggestions hit that net which is the subconscious, which will catch everything that gets past it and filter what it needs to. And that'll just make the whole thing work so much better for you. And if you've got someone that's a hypnotist or a dumb that isn't bothering with negotiation, just turn around and never deal with them again because they've got no (laughs) idea what they're doing. They tend not to be a good hypnotist or not a good dom or probably both to be honest I mean it it may be inexperience I mean one thing I can say especially like we talked about in the first podcast was that it's about understanding each other and a dom or a hypnotist who's coming forward and isn't taking the time to understand you especially taking the time to negotiate and come to understand why you're doing something and how you expect to do it means that they have an idea that they're going to force down or they're going to press down into the situation and it's probably not going to connect. I mean, 99 out of 100 times, and that's just a made-up number, but very, very often if they try to do this, it's not really going to connect and a person is going to... Someone who is being hypnotized may end up, or even... I've actually known subjects who very firmly try to press an idea and refuse to communicate. And it just ends up making an experience where you're just sort of watching it more like a movie and interacting where you need to rather than actually being immersed and engaging in it. And you can be immersed in a movie, but it's sort of like going to a movie that you didn't pick out. So I could say when it comes down to it, knowing and communicating, like Papa was saying, and understanding where the other person is coming from, especially if they're coming from a point of saying, I don't know. It's a red flag when someone says they have no limits, but it's also a flag to take it up as this person still needs to explore or could use more direction. Because if someone comes forward saying, I have no limits, my first question for them is to ask some of the most extreme situations and see how they respond. And this is simply to outline, it sounds like you have something of a honeymoon phase with hypnosis where you think, this is all wonderful, this is great, I can do anything. 
I've had people come forward and they'll say, you know, I have no limits, just control me, turn me into a puppet, change me, everything about it. And I say, okay, so what if I made you leave your job and leave your family and decide to change your sexuality, et cetera, et cetera, all these big things that are extremely unacceptable. And usually people will stop and say, I wouldn't want that to have happen. I'd say, well, I wouldn't do that. But those are some of the things you need to be aware of. For the people who continue and say, oh, I don't care, just do it. Those are big red flags where you're pretty much, people are self-sacrificial to get to that level. And I'd say that's where you're not really going to get any outlines as to if things are going bad, which means that it'll be all good to the point that they crash. And this is why I'd say, especially with negotiation, you want to be very open to what not only your partner is saying, but what you are interested in. Because one big part about what was mentioned earlier in this chat is that sometimes you may find out later on that it wasn't a great experience. And that's because on either side, if someone is trying to push and trying to say yes at all times and try to make the other person happy to answer something, it puts you in a situation where if you're experiencing a negative or a no then it has to reach a certain threshold of negativity for it to be able to finally come out. And being open to yourself and saying, there are things I don't want to explore, and communicating that not only shows that you are listening to yourself and finding a better way to explore, which makes everything that you want to explore that much more open and fewer barriers to hold you back, but it also means that it shows whether or not the other person is listening and whether or not they're going to be a hypnotist that communicates and creates these experiences and agrees with you on aspects you need, or if they're going to be a dominant that wants to force an idea and you're a part of something that you may not have chosen, and it may have an outcome, which in many cases the people who I've known who have gone into scenarios and been pushed into them in the end feel like they gave up control but then they have no one to blame but themselves, and it makes a very difficult experience for future experiences. And so it's just very important to keep in mind that when you are exploring, especially with negotiation, is to make sure that you know your side of it as well as you want to know theirs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it really depends on how much I, how excited I am to work with a person as to if I'll go into all of that particularly because I own Fetlandia, and so I get a lot more attention for being the person that runs it. You gotta be responsible because you got more people. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, but at the same time, I have to... Con There's more responsibility, too. Mm -hmm. Topic I know you very much adore is removing stimulus or removing a way to be to increase other stimuli right the idea of focusing stimuli in the sense of well i guess you can think of it in the idea of when people are we've all known people who are analytical me and when you get very analytical <laughs> me <laughs> i think <laughs> uh, we're sitting here talking about how to do things i mean come on yeah it would, so being analytical, we get in our heads a lot and we start focusing on all different aspects. We start questioning things and it takes a lot of time for some people who are new to this to 
cut down on certain things as well as increasing other aspects. For example, when I first got into it, I had so much trouble focusing on people's words and letting the effects take take hold when I am being hypnotized because my mind would be analyzing all the words and questioning how do I feel that? What are different ways to feel that? And using hypnosis effectively, it's about... I guess, in a sense, focusing on how the person feels it, but how to also take away certain things that are going on. For example, for me, I found that touch can be a very straight way, a very clean way to cut through all of those thoughts, because when you are being physically touched, your body is taking in the stimulus very purely, because it's trying to pick up on what's going on around you. It's sort of like with hot and cold. If you touch a hot surface, your brain doesn't have to think about it. It pulls away even before your mind can question or think about it. And so for me, one method that I've learned, especially when you're doing hypnosis and when you're using it with BDSM, is if someone has difficulty focusing on words or connecting with a certain experience, using either other forms of touch or using other forms of logic even can help to connect a person. So if you're trying to hypnotize someone and they're very analytical, they think a lot, giving them conflicting or contradicting ideas that still make sense. And at first that sounds very strange, but it's the idea of if you were to describe a pink penguin sitting on a beach eating a donut that was made in Australia, your brain is now trying to figure out how all those pieces are related. But at the same time, you are now in a situation of a contradiction between why is all of this happening, but now your mind is connected to it. It's engaged in it. That idea, even though it's a contradiction, makes enough sense that you are connected to it. And this is how you can get an analytical mind pulled into it. And I guess in a way, I wouldn't say it's disarming, but it's engaging in a way where you are using how that person's mind connects. It takes a little bit of time for some people to learn how to really connect with that. And just so you know, if you're still confused about that idea from earlier, all you really need to do is think about that penguins on vacation and they had some good stop-offs. <laughs> That's it. it. It makes se- it makes much more sense out of it, and it's just your brain trying to work. Because I, I know sometimes people who are analytical can get stuck in that loop of it, and it's why it's so effective with hypnosis. But I think I think one of the one one thing we can segue to here is uh, a little bit on confusion inductions because. What you're doing there is creating like nonsense situations and things that make an analytical person realize that what you're talking about doesn't matter at all. And that's useful because you don't want the conscious mind to be considering what you're saying. And that's why confusion inductions can be so useful when you have a subject that is quite analytical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people are interested in learning about different inductions and how they work and that would be a great topic for a future podcast <laughs> um, but while you were talking about uh, confusion I thought I'd pop that in sure and it's true confusion inductions especially for people are as I refer to some of them as overwhelm inductions, it's a method where you engage the mind to the point where your thinking is turned around and used as a method for opening you. And in terms of BDSM, 
it's really focused on the idea of immersion. I'd say in scenes, especially in BDSM, it's about immersing the person who is exploring and really giving them this full experience. Some people who go out there for bondage, for being caned, which by the way, I've been caned and whipped, so I can definitely say getting into the mindset is very much through communication, especially since the person I explored with, it was at a lovely little dungeon that they had, and this person was experienced enough with a whip, he could pretty much whip it and hold so much control that I could feel the air hitting me without the whip doing so. So I can say that's a definitely a good way to be introduced to BDSM, because I was still... Cool. Right? It was very interesting. The, fu- the funny thing was, it even reminds me, because... BDSM can connect mentally with so many other areas. I had a full discussion while being caned on a, I believe it's called a riding horse. While being caned on a riding horse, we had a full discussion as to how caning was invented. Like a full mental interaction. And that got me so much more into the scene. And it's about what you do to be immersed. It's how you engage with the person and how you discuss it. And there's so many areas you can overlap. The person alone who was whipping me we were talking and I was discussing how in Dungeons and Dragons, you can have a whip that is there a possible way to make a whip go from being non-lethal to lethal. For anyone who doesn't know this terminology, in short, it's just enhancing mental ideas in a game. And so I was having this full discussion. And so the more you can immerse someone, especially with discussions and with hypnosis as a key point that we're talking about today... Hypnosis is a very mental interaction where you can discuss and not only create these enhanced experiences where you can engage the mind and immerse them, but the idea of a confusion and or overwhelm induction is a way to let the mind itself get into a pattern where it's no longer trying to act as an external watcher and viewer, but instead as someone who is now walking into the scenario and letting themselves experience it while they're trying to figure it out. And that becomes the immersion. I think some of the tools that you can use in hypnosis help immerse in the way that we're talking about. It's similar to wearing a blindfold. Where if you're not using one of your senses, then suddenly everything else is more in focus. As with the confusion induction, when it basically shuts off the thinking process and then you're feeling everything more you're more reactive Mm -hmm. but you can take away a person's ability to move taste you know whatever you can think of with hypnosis to enhance other things and there's so many ways that you can play with it which is really fun ways that you wouldn't be able to otherwise if you've got the imagination for it hypnosis just does everything i love it (laughs) i mean our mind and our brain do do they're multiples the mind and the brain work together to create the world around us i mean basics in philosophy discuss the idea that your mind in a way is like a person inside of a house using cameras for eyes using vents for ears and in a way we're dependent upon our senses for what we experience hypnosis is a method for directly connecting with that internal processing and being able to create experiences i mean false negatives the idea that i'm sorry false positives 
the idea that you are experiencing something that isn't actually being caused. So like they say, the or like I mentioned earlier, the idea of phantom limb syndrome, that you can see something and even if you're not experiencing it, your brain creates that sensation, you can have hypnosis work as a way for you to directly guide that. It's kind of like if you ever had someone say to you, there's someone behind you or there's something behind you, and your brain immediately responds as if there was, but there's nothing. That's something of a false positive where your brain and your mind can actually create these experiences. We, in some ways, de- well, actually in all ways, depend on our brain and our mind to process and understand the world around us. And the mind is always trying to pick up on stimuli through all these senses that we have. And so reducing one creates a heavier focus on others. It's if you're blindfolded, you depend upon what you're hearing, what you're feeling, your sense of balance, your sense of proximal distance, and the more into a scene you become, especially in regards to BDSM, the more immersed you become in it, the more natural that feeling becomes. In many cases, it can be like reading a book. At first, when you start reading a book, it feels like an effort because you're trying to pick up on the information in the story. And if it's a good story, eventually you become immersed and you're not even paying attention. It's kind of like that state of flow we discussed in our last podcast, where once you become so engaged and immersed in it, you're no longer thinking about some of the basic movements or ideas or pieces that you're working with. And so instead you focus on experiencing it and trying to get down the more important pieces of immersion and hypnosis can bring you into that experience. If you're doing rigging or suspension, hypnosis can help with making the body more aware of what it's feeling, its touch, its gravity. It can make it less aware of it until you put them in the position they want to be. So for example, suspension, where you're being lifted by ropes or by other different tools or materials. If you are feeling it the entire time, the body can feel extreme amounts of stimulation and arousal, or you can have them feel less, describing to them and saying that they feel like they're still on the ground. They still feel the warmth of being held. They still feel the earlier steps you took to take care of them. And then if you transition them directly into being suspended, it can create a very quick change in what is going on with them. So you can limit what a person feels and do an instant response. You can limit and focus, such as Papa was mentioning the idea of having them taste less, see less, hear less, and focus on the feeling. And in some ways, it's kind of like a controlled deprivation tank. And don't think many people have experienced them, but the idea that you have fewer senses to depend on and allows you to focus elsewhere, which enhances what it is that you are feeling. Essentially false negatives. To some degree, yes, a false negative, where instead of feeling something, you are making them feel as though there isn't something happening. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess just to clarify for anyone, a true negative would be you're not feeling something. A true positive would be you are feeling something correctly, like a hand on your shoulder, while a true negative would be you look down, you know you're not feeling something, you look down and you're not feeling anything. A false positive would be you think there's someone standing behind you and you turn around and there's no one there. So your brain says there's something going on and you check and it's not. A false negative would be feeling like there is no one behind you. Actually, I should not go for that. That feeling like there is no one's arm on you. Let's say your arm's gone numb and your brain says there's nothing there and you look down and there is a hand there. That would be a false negative. I think a fun false 
positive that I've seen outside of hypnosis. Uh, someone was in a back bed, which is essentially like a sheet of plastic or latex over a person with a hole so that they can breathe and then something to create a vacuum so that it's sucked down over them. Great use of restraint. Often they're unable to see, tend to have your eyes closed. But what I saw being done at the time, pretty early in my BDSM life, was someone was saying that they were trickling hot water over someone. But in fact, it was very cold water over them. Now, the body can't actually tell that well between what's hot and what's cold. The mind goes, that's really hot. So they're experiencing this like danger sense that they might not if it was cold water. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, unless it's particularly close to freezing and over a long period of time, it tends to be less dangerous. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a kind of false positive that I've seen in BDSM without hypnosis that I think was quite cool. Oh yeah, I mean a simple one a simple one that I've done in the past was for some people who like sharps play and for anyone who doesn't know sharps play it's just play play that has to do with anything that has a sharp edge or point. Yeah, content warning. Right. If you've enjoyed this part of the podcast so far and there are certain things that come up I want you to not worry about it, be happy with what you've heard, and feel free to stop the podcast at this point or when you hear a content warning that you particularly don't want to hear about. That's fine, that's healthy, that's good. Any information for this podcast that would come at the end will be in the information that you should be able to get from whatever host you're connecting to to get this podcast. So don't worry about that. Now, Tricoso is about to talk about sharps, knives, and such. So if that is something you don't want to hear, as an example, then feel free to stop. Tricoso. Right. So I think since this will be touching on a few topics, it'll be a little bit sensitive. Just so you know, it's... I think the three main areas we're going to talk about are, would be a little bit of sharps play. I'm not going to go to too much depth, just sort of an example of something you can do with imposition with it. And then we'll be talking a little bit about enhancing the state. So one example I'll be giving is drug play and not using drugs, but instead simulating a similar experience where the mind can open due to things that it might imagine without actually using any type of drugs. Since hypnosis can be used to simulate experiences. One of the main things, especially with working with BDSM, you can simulate different experiences, as we've been talking about imposing them upon a person. And the third one is known as consensual non-consent, or CNC. So for the first one, for the sharps play, a simple example I've known with that and I've done in the past was, if you actually take a straw, just a basic drinking straw, plastic preferably, because it doesn't work with metal, is if you take the tip of it, and you press it in so it makes a single line, and you dip that in water, if you have your partner or your person you're working with and they're blindfolded, you can actually take one of the corners of that straw and you can just drag that along their skin and you can describe what you're doing as if it was with a shark. And if they're blindfolded, you can actually create something of a false positive where they'll feel like, oh, they're actually doing this. And of course, negotiated ahead of time and agreed upon, 
that they would know you're not actually going to use a sharp, but their mind will create this sensation experience anyway. So that's one example. And a similar example that I would potentially do with a person and a further content warning for blood and cutting is if you take the blunt part of a knife but you put some water on it first, right? You get it quite wet. Mm-hmm. And then you run it along someone on the blunt side and you can press down harder because of this without actually cutting them. And then they'll feel like they're being cut into with the water being their blood if it's warmed up particularly. Mm-hmm. And it can be very real for the person, even though you're not causing any physical harm. Oh, yeah. It's not so much an illusion, but more of an influence of the mind picking up on this. And kind of as we mentioned earlier, the idea of feeling like there's someone nearby is your mind trying to assess and understand what's happening. When you use these methods and these tactics, the brain is trying to understand what is happening. Due to the fact that it doesn't know that there's been water put on either the back of the blade or on a straw, the mind fills it in by saying the mo- the first place liquid would come from when this happens is from yourself. So it creates that sensation. And it's similar with the idea of when you're enhancing a state that someone is in, kind of like for some people, humiliation, degradation, being called names creates a more full sense of a scene experience because that wouldn't well hopefully that wouldn't usually happen in other parts of your life that you're not as in control of as a scene but during these scenes it's about really bringing them into that immersion and some people like to feel like well for example i've known people who have enjoyed having laughing gas put into the scene or anesthetics used with just hypnosis, describing what they would feel like, like a numbness or feeling lightheaded or feeling more calm, and that creates more of a sensation. And this goes along the lines of drug play, as I mentioned earlier, where even if they're not using real drugs, you can have a person experience something, such as the old classic chloroform, which I don't know if I want to ruin this for a lot of people, but I've actually learned is chloroform doesn't actually knock people out. But for fantasy sense, it works perfectly. And so having things like hypnotic chloroform can actually knock a person out. They can actually put a person to sleep as quickly as people have seen in shows and movies and so on. And so using hip... Particularly as fast as people have seen in movies, because that's what they're Right, expecting. your mind, I think, like we talked... I'm going to keep referring to the first podcast, but like we talked about in the first podcast, that people will build up ideas and beliefs based upon what they think or believe is real. And so using hypnosis, you can actually build on a person's own understanding and create a more immersive experience because their own mind is creating the pathway or the building blocks that make them experience that so fully. And this kind of brings us around to a somewhat touchy topic, which is known as consensual non-consent or CNC which is very negotiation heavy. It's discussing ahead of time, doing activities or exploring areas which may not be as comfortable or open as someone who is awake or as aware as when you are under. So discussing different things such as I've seen one person 
who was not comfortable being a maid or dressed as a maid or acting that openly submissive in a public setting, as in private, but had a fantasy deep down being controlled there, but was mentally not comfortable with it. So they got into CNC, where they agreed ahead of time, these are the things that I will do, these are the things that I won't do, this is how it works, I expect only this. And by discussing it, they went into a scene where she normally wouldn't do that, but the hypnotist was able to trance her and turn her into this maid and make her do all of these things that were agreed upon. And it creates a scene where they can explore, they can do things they love to, but they'd never be comfortable with. And so hypnosis can be used to explore not only new areas, such as if someone's never been bound and they're not sure they'd be comfortable with it, you can actually hypnotize someone and describe them being bound and describe them feeling these restraints and their mind and their brain can respond to it as if they were real. But unlike real rope, which if you're very good at rope play, you can tie someone up and have them untied in a matter of 10 to 15 seconds, if that. Mm -hmm. But for people who are new to it and feel like even that wouldn't be enough time, literally a snap of the fingers can remove the ropes. And so it can be used for a lot of different exploring areas that you may not be comfortable with, exploring new ideas, and enjoying different things that wouldn't normally be safe. Or stepping back from CNC, I encourage the use of safeties with triggers. Mm -hmm. So that if someone's uncomfortable with the situation that they're in, that the sensations and experiences stop. So with that rope, if it they tried it and felt it and then started feeling uncomfortable, it would just end on its own without any input from the hypnotist. Particularly useful for things outside of one's control. Say there was a fire. The mind goes, I'm uncomfortable with this situation and it's got a, a link to very quickly end what's happening so it can deal with this negative situation where without a safety it'll go ah, I need to stop this and okay I have and there'll be a slight delay and you know when someone's in danger you want everything to be dealt with as quick as possible I think so safeties are very very good practice mm -hmm. for a hypnotist. Yeah, that could be its own topic, I'd say, as well, because honestly, I'm not saying that we shouldn't mention it, but I mean, that is a very in-depth point. Like some people that I've explored with, it's good to put in protection, such as if you're doing something that's dangerous or an emergency. Like, I've known people who were driving, and they've had a trigger go off, and they had to pull off to the shoulder just to take care of themselves. And so having that safety where you can say a trigger or an influence if it becomes too extreme or too overwhelming it can be reduced or even ignored and training someone to be able to and i think this is something we talked about at the starting of this podcast as well as the idea that you're not just trying to say yes or impress the person you're working with being able to say no is just as much good communication as saying yes because saying no and being able to decide this isn't a scene i want to have this isn't something i'm comfortable with is a way to fully immerse yourself. Your brain, as we said, does a lot of things automatically. It creates sensations that could be false or positive, that could be true or negative. And understanding how your brain is responding and your mind are responding to the situation is how you better immerse yourself because 
the more in line you are with your own interests, your own beliefs, and your own behaviors and expectations, the more you'll be able to let yourself naturally get into this pattern of immersion experience and enjoy. This goes both for BDSM and hypnosis, and especially when you mix the two. Communication, communication, communication. Internal, external. Which is something that if you're a hypnotist that plans to work with a particular subject over a longer period of time, and they're a new subject in particular, because I find a lot of more experienced subjects are good at this, telling them that they can communicate can often be enough, while in trance, can often be enough to allow them to communicate in trance. This isn't a state of mind where one can negotiate necessarily. Mm-hmm. Unless you go into C and C, and you've agreed to negotiate in that state, so you're negotiating from a point where negotiation shouldn't happen. It basically C and C. Like that's a quick segue. Um, <laughs> I think, like, I think like you said we could talk about negotiation. What people are comfortable yeah, with that? It's like you said earlier. Um, we could talk about it for hours. Yeah. But go on. Hours. Yeah. Yes, giving someone permission to be able to communicate in trance can often get a lot of useful feedback. I think that's an important thing to put in there while we've gone back to negotiation. Yeah. And with that, I think we should wrap up, unless there's something else you want to talk about. I think just on that last point... One last touch, especially to keep in mind whether you're doing BDSM, hypnosis, or whatever your interest is. It's like standing beside someone and looking at the same tree. You're each going to find different viewpoints and perspectives. And especially when it comes to negotiation, understanding how different your what you see, even though it's the same thing, it could be a simple concept. The more you understand the distance between how you see that tree and how they see that tree, even in a small way, that's how you negotiate better for yourself and for their sake as well, because then you can create a more immersive experience by finding where the overlaps are and finding how to guide each other to see the same thing. Communicating better so that you have an understanding Mm -hmm. that connects with trees. With trees. Right. Hey, some people's kinks are trees. Come on. <laughs> Nature can be sexy too. Anyways. And then you end up in the hospital with splinters. Yeah. That's when you don't negotiate well with the trick. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Everyone take care. And remember, practice safe everything, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's topic. If you've enjoyed this, you can support us at patreon.com slash braincage. You can also join us over on Discord at Fetlandia and talk with us directly. Links for both are listed in the description. Thanks again for listening and take care.